1: to the show. How are you today?
0: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Of course, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. This is Absolutely. going to be great. So, I'd like to start off for the, my listeners who are not familiar with you. Please let me know how how you describe yourself and what you do.
0: Absolutely. So, my name is Madeline Henry, and I'm the author of Brief In, Cash Out, a novel which comes out in July. That is my profession. <laughs>
1: Oh, wonderful. (laughs) Perfect. And we'll get to your book in a little bit. But let's, before we get into that, I want to ask a little bit about your background. So you originally studied psychology at Yale.
0: I did. That was my official major.
1: Yeah. What was that like? And why did you, why did you choose psychology?
0: Oh, well, interestingly, I entered college wanting to be a doctor and I quickly found that I did not like hard science classes. And Mm so... It was a slow slide into soft science, which was psychology, mm-hmm. and I found, I felt like I was studying um, the maps of humans, like what made us work exactly, and I was like looking into the machine, um, and I found that really fascinating. And what's not shown in my official major is I took um, a bunch of advanced writing classes, so I was psychology with some hard science at the beginning and then ultimately I ended up in English. So
1: Okay, excellent. So what what was it that made you want to study writing?
0: Um I think that it's more a reflection of what I was doing naturally than any decision to do it. And so um, I've always been a writer. And I think that that started with very young when I was gifted a typewriter. Mm-hmm. And so I was in this room as a kid. I grew up in the suburbs and it was really my form of recreation was just to make stuff up on this machine. And it stuck with me as a hobby and then I started to take it more seriously as I was nearing the end of college and thinking, oh, well, what am I going to do with my life? Mm-hmm. And so I took two advanced uh, tutorials each semester's senior year. And in each one, I wrote a novel and uh, nothing ever happened with those. Um, but I, I kept writing even as I went into finance. And then now I have my first book coming out in July. And I actually just sold my second book. Um, which is going to come out next year or the year after. So um, I'm a full-fledged writer now.
1: <laughs> wow. wow, congratulations. Thank you. So, okay, so let's jump into what you did after college. Okay. So why finance?
0: Yeah, so that I can put into context for you as a okay. social phenomenon. And it's really for People in Ivy League schools who don't know what they want to do Mm -hmm. typically end up in finance or consulting. And so I read the stat that in 2017, 40% of Harvard grads went into finance or consulting. And so that gives you an idea of how common this is. Mm -hmm. And the banks and the consulting firms really make it easy because they come to us on campus uh, toward the end of college. They interview us. And you don't need any specific skill set to get these jobs because you're given training for four to six weeks after you're hired. And so it's really just how well can you play this interview game in order to get the job. Mm -hmm. And the jobs are viewed as extremely prestigious and you're viewed as successful if you get one. And something that I think is that when you're young, the conventional metric for success is grades in school. And as you get older, it's, money to a certain extent. And so if you're an Ivy League student and you've been playing that game, then a very easy extension of it is to just continue into finance or consulting where all your friends were going. Mm-hmm. So it's I didn't have a book deal as a senior and I wasn't going to go into psychology. And um, I was familiar with finance because I my dad is in finance. I know people in finance. Um, so it was a very, that's how I ended up in that profession to
1: start. Okay. So, okay. So you then were hired by Goldman Sachs, moved to exactly. New York. Yes. So what was it like working for Goldman Sachs?
0: Yeah. So I can speak about that very generally in what uh, the common investment and in banking experience is. And yeah. it's in general, it's very uh, grueling in mm-hmm. uh, that work becomes basically all that you do. Um, physically, it's very challenging in the sense that you're sedentary. Um, your schedule is completely out of your control because, um, it's essentially like being an on-call doctor all the time as an investment banker because you're never sure when you're going to get work. Um, your weekends are unprotected. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that was the general investment banking experience, which is captured truthfully in my new book, which comes out in July.
1: Sure. So after Goldman Sachs, then you still continued in the investment banking world because you jumped over then to Ziff Capital Partners. Why Why did you then decide to leave Goldman, which may be in your book, um, and then jump to the, the next challenge?
0: Yeah. So um, at that point, uh, I still had not discovered what I specifically wanted to do. And if you're following the conventional path in investment banking – then after one to two years, you will exit into investing. Okay. And so that's still going with the flow, um, looking around, seeing what your peers are doing. And when you're a banker, you don't have uh, enough avocation time to invest in passions or hobbies mm-hmm. so you're still going with the flow and so I ended up on the buy side in investing and it was only there that I had enough time outside of work to really invest time in what I love to do that I grew into those interests professionally
1: okay and so was so your so with your your book it's you know it, it talks about your love of yoga and, and this whole journey Oh, my
0: love of yoga. I know it's difficult because I am yeah. I share similarities with this character, but it's not a memoir. It's, okay. uh
1: Yeah. OK, good. Well, so that's what I was going to get into then. So so during your journey sometime in this, you decided that this is the book you wanted to write. So what was the. So, yeah, so it's great. So it's not a memoir. It's not necessarily you, but I'm I'm sure it's probably based off of just, you know, some things that were hand, ha, ha, uh, happening around you. What made you want to decide this book at this time?
0: Interesting. So I think that I found the investment banking world fascinating, mm-hmm. and I knew that a lot of people probably would too. And so it was it was a mix of um, where I had experience and knowledge to draw from to create a world. And the intersection of that with what I thought other people would be interested in, uh, because it is a a bit of an elite experience, and people tend to like to lift the veil up on elite experiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was the genesis of the
1: idea. Okay, okay, excellent. All right. Well, so let's then jump into this. Then, what was your so What was the process like of actually writing this book? Because were you were you still at the at the the investment uh, practice when you were writing it, did you write it like in the evenings, in the mornings? What were your what was your general uh, setup with this when you were getting into it?
0: Yeah, so I would say that most of my free time while I was in the investing world was devoted to writing this book, okay. and so um, I was also learning yoga at this time, which is another part of my life. Um, and so those are my two big interests were writing this book and practicing yoga. And I would write in the mornings usually because I think we all have our different productivity strike zones and mine happens to be first thing in the morning. Sure. Um, so I would get up very early. I would work on this and I would spend weekends on it as well.
1: So yeah. that's half time. Okay, excellent. And what was it about the, you know, your, your so actually let's take this back. Your project is coming out through Simon Schuster. Schuster, Mm -hmm. what was that process like of having a traditional book publishing deal done? Was it, did you write your manuscript ahead of time and then go through the process? Or what was that type of situation like?
0: So the first step in making, going from idea to finished book was getting an agent. And so. Um, what I did was I did very old fashioned, uh, queries to agents. So I sent out, hey, like, this is my pitch for my book. This is who I am. Um, and I was lucky that I had a lot of agents interested, actually, just because I think that the fact that I was writing a novel that took place in an investment bank and that I did Goldman Sachs, agents saw that and they thought, wow, this is super commercial. And so I had agents interested. Um, and then I, I ended up working with William Morris Endeavor and, um, so with my agent there, we did some revisions and then I ended up selling the book last summer and now it's coming out this summer. Okay.
1: Wonderful. So at the, at the same time you said you were getting into yoga and you were building your yoga platform.
0: Exactly. Yeah. What
1: what was that like? And did that help with your, the journey to have this book published?
0: Uh, I think so. I think that first of all the the book itself is about uh an investment banker who wants to be a yogi mm-hmm. and is trying to reconcile these two worlds, which if you have any exposure to those worlds, you'll find it hilarious because they're essentially opposites. Finance is all about power and money and external rewards. And yoga is all about humility and internal rewards. And so to try and do both at the same time is very difficult, as my character discovers. And so, yes, the yoga helped me write this book because it gave me experiences to draw on, to put into it. Um, and also, I was building a, an Instagram platform. I I share my yoga practice on Madeline Henry yoga on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing that as well. And that put me in touch with now people who are going to read the book. So,
1: Oh, perfect. So let's, I want to ask a little bit about your, so your actual journey of this, there has to be some elements of uh, being uncertain about, you know, your decisions (laughs) and, and
0: of course. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So how do you approach times when you're, you know, you're uncertain, you're maybe fearful and just, you know have the the strength to just push through and go for it
0: yeah so for that I come back to um, without sounding hokey mantra okay? <laughs> okay so sure I I believe that if you are certain of something with your intuition then you should follow it mm-hmm. and so I was really certain with my intuition that this is what I wanted to be doing. And so I left the finance world before I had signed this book contract. So it was out to publishers and I was just, I had this intuitive certainty that I really believed in what I was doing and I wanted to give it the full benefit of my full effort. And so I took that leap out of the finance world onto this publishing journey and, um, I think that you have to be in touch with yourself and know what's important to you and come back to that in times of uncertainty because it's always challenging. Um, but if you have that rock inside then you come back to, OK, I've already committed to doing this. I feel that it's right. And then that becomes your check.
1: Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to so someone listening to this podcast um, and thinking, you know, I'm inspired by your journey because you're able to choose your own path and do what you ultimately felt you needed to and that was inside of you. What kind of advice would you give them on, on, first off, how to find that, but also to carve out enough time to be able to allow that to to grow and and not just get bogged down by the day-to-day?
0: Yeah, so it's obviously extremely difficult to carve out time for non-money-making things when you're really bogged down at work. Like That's extremely difficult, but I was lucky in the sense that I found my work uh very uncreative, and I need to be creative to be a happy human being, and I think that that is something I see in my peers and friends, too. I have people who work in finance, or I know people who work in finance who are painters, Um, and they find avenues to express themselves outside of work. And so for me, mine was writing and yoga. Mm -hmm. And so yes, it was difficult to find the time, but it was, it was so rewarding to me personally that it was worth it. So, um, but my advice would be to whatever you're trying to do, if you're trying to turn a hobby into a profession, I think the first step is to do it every day. Um, and to not wait until you're inspired to try and make progress. And so for me, I was writing and doing yoga every day mm-hmm. and I did a lot of bad writing. Um, it took me a lot of time to get flexible, but it was, um, quality was really a function of time put in. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, and part of being able to put all of that time in is really loving the process. And so getting those personal benefits from it, getting the, Um, you're excited at the little win. So it was a little win for me to get my agent. It was a little win for me to do my first full back bend and just being excited about those steps along the way. Those, uh, kept me involved for long enough to see real gains. Um, so yeah, to synthesize, I would say do it every day, love the process and be prepared to put in a lot of time like this. This book took me years to write. Mm -hmm. Um, um, and because I, I wrote my second one full time, that was much shorter. Sure. Um, but you just have to you have to spoon your way out of the out of the prison. You know, and it takes a lot of time to spoon a tunnel out. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Perfect. That's a that's a great analogy. It just reminds me of, of actually now I'm just picturing uh, Shawshank Redemption.
0: Yeah. Count of Monte Cristo. You got to yeah. spoon your way out every that's day. Right. Yeah
1: just wanted a little uh-huh. that's awesome so just so let's a, a little bit about i guess your, your book um because I, I really want is you know listeners to go out there and buy it when it's available and and read this this humorous story that you've written when you were actually writing this process how did you create your your character names how did you keep everything organized mm-hmm. um the actual like nitty-gritty of like the business of writing a book how did you develop your system
0: Interesting. Um, So in terms of organizing the book, I keep a saved copy of every draft. And while I'm writing, I keep open a document where I put everything that I delete. And so that to me takes away my fear of deleting or my fear of revision. And that allows me to take uh, pretty sizable editing leaps. So uh, my agent and editor will, um, I'm called the revision queen. And that's because I make so many changes in each draft. And I think that they, it's a very scary thing to take something that someone in this ambiguous world has okayed mm-hmm. and then to change it drastically. But I think that what gives me the courage to do that is to keep a log of everywhere it's been so I can always go back to it. So that's one organization thing that I do regularly in terms of uh, character names. I try to find names that are um, simultaneously recognizable, but a little bit unusual. So the main character Allegra. So that's not a. At least in my world. It's not a common girl's name and it's but you recognize it immediately as a girl's name and it stands out. And uh the her the man who sits next to her is named Trip. So again, not a very common man's name and it mm-hmm. stands out, but you recognize it. Um so those are just a couple of, of tricks that I
1: have. Sure. <laughs> because of, of your revisionist process here, how do you know when your book is Done, or when when you would say this is as far as I can go right now, and now needs to go. I need to send it to an editor.
0: Hmm. Um. I read once that David Foster Wallace wrote each of his works out five times by hand, and that's how he would know it was done. Mm-hmm. And so I don't work by hand, but for some reason I've kept on to the number five, and so I'll go through it five times, and um. After that point, I say, okay, it's done. Just <laughs> <laughs> sure. revise. I yes. know someone who's been writing a novel for five to six years, mm-hmm. and you can revise something indefinitely, but you, you have to have a line in the sand when it, you just turn it in, and you know that there are things you could work on forever, but perfection is asymptotic. You'll never get there, so you just got to cut yourself off at some
1: point. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So with everything that you've done and experienced so far, what would you say has been the best advice that you have ever received? Um, The
0: best advice I've ever received is never give up. And I say that because the things in which I've made the most progress in my life are the things that I've put the most time into. And um, one of the phrases I come back to when I see people, um, quote, outperforming, end quote me, uh, you know, writers who are more successful or yogis who have a more inspiring practice. I come back to the phrase, um, whoever is uh, outperforming you has been doing this for a lot longer and probably started at somewhere similar to where you are. And it just comes back to the fact that for me, time is this magical ingredient. And the more time you put into your craft – the better it will get. And that's not saying it's a straight line up, but you really have to just stick with it. Um, and you'll have regressions, mm-hmm. and you'll have plateaus, but over time the trend line is up. So never give up.
1: Yeah. So what's, something that's interesting is you've mentioned this a couple of different times. It sounds like you were a very patient and dedicated person. Did that come naturally or is that something you've developed over the years?
0: Interesting. So I think that that's a very positive way to frame the trait is that I'm patient, because mm-hmm. uh, you can also use the word stubborn <laughs> or the word narrow-minded. Um, but I think it's because I really loved what I was doing. Uh, and so I wasn't waiting for some giant payoff, you know, three years down the line. I wasn't writing because I thought I would get a book deal, you know, three years ahead of time. I did it because I loved it and there were little gains along the way. And like I practice yoga because I love those little, um, those little skips ahead in my progress. Like there are rewards that come uh, inter- before you reach the, the big one mm-hmm. and so I think that I'm patient because I see rewards sooner than you may be acknowledging so to me yeah I was getting better and I was getting closer and I was enjoying the process um, I wasn't you know, waiting in, in the trench for three years for all this all to pay off
1: mm-hmm. so you said you already have your next book deal in in place are you allowed to talk about that or is that still yeah yeah time? yeah So what's,
0: not, not financially, but like about the book. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So what's, um, what's the next book you're working on right now that will come out, you know, sometime next year or the year after?
0: I'm so excited about it. It is a love story and it is about, it's one couple and the love between them, uh, that endures after their relationship ends. So it has to do with a connection between a man and a woman. Um, that lasts longer than their relationship and how that continues to affect them when they're apart. Mm-hmm. And I love love stories that take place over a lifetime. I feel like they're very powerful. And I think that this is an unconventional way to look at love. And, um, it actually begins at Yale where you and I both went. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so readers who have any, uh, interest in that place or who have been there might find that more meaningful. And then the main character is also interested in the physics of the universe. And so you get that learning in this book as well. And, uh, her view of her relationship and of the universe, they overlap toward the end. And it's, uh, it's quite moving for me personally. So I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Oh, that's great. That's great. I, I hope that your characters uh, meet at some point in a line at Pepe's waiting to get in for some fantastic pizza.
0: Pepe's? That place is so far away from campus. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Sure. I, I had a car on, when I was on campus, so maybe that made, a, made a little, my trip there a little
0: easier. Uh, oh, I see. Okay. Cool.
1: Great. Well, I look forward to reading about that when that comes out because uh, it sounds like it's absolutely fantastic. You. so if the listeners would like to first off buy your book and then follow you and learn more about you where is the best place I can go for that
0: sure so I share a lot of my life and my yoga um, and my events and about the book uh, giveaways on my Instagram which is Madeline Henry yoga and then the book is available on Amazon in local bookstores um, I encourage you to buy local um, but it's also available on Amazon so
1: wonderful thank you so much I will put all of those in the show notes so people can click right through and buy your book and follow you on Instagram
0: great thank you so much
1: awesome thank you so much Madeline this was absolutely fantastic
0: great thanks
1: thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast if you like this episode please go into iTunes and give us a five star rating